for the last few, um, the last, actually, we just started this last week. We started this series called The Great Comeback. I believe that the church is positioning itself for the greatest comeback that we've ever seen before. Last year took a toll on us, didn't it? Just kind of as believers. And it's really interesting too, um, because you know I, I got sucked into something and then I had to get myself quickly out of it. But it's easy to be somebody who, 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 who demeans everything, who, who comes against everything, which is, ah, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're against this and we're against that. And, and, and it's interesting how the voice of Christians got extremely mumbled and dirty and just muddy and there wasn't clarity with the voice piece of God because we all had our different opinions on how things should be ran. Well, I believe that God's snapping us back into alignment with one voice, with one spirit in one accord. And we're gonna see the kingdom of God move in a very, very powerful, powerful way. See, it's important. So today, we, last week we talked about I am the church, right? I am the church. Nowhere in scripture where you ever see the words, I am the church. However, what you will see is that you identify as an agent of the kingdom of God moving and advancing in the culture that we're in, in the life that we're in. You'll see how you and I are called to change the atmosphere of the six feet around us. So therefore, that's why we're called the church. I am the kingdom of God. I am somebody who is chosen by God. And let me just tell you this, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what's going on, no matter what's taking place right now with confusion, identity things, what's happening right now in your life, I want you to know that you are called by God on purpose for a purpose. For a purpose. Because there's too many believers and Christians walking around not knowing who they are in Christ. And I'm telling you right now, you are not called just to take up a seat on a Sunday morning. You are called to be a kingdom advancer. That's you. That's me. I am the church. You are the church. However, today we're going to be talking about we are the church. How important local church is to this world. How many of you guys believe that local church is important? Amen? Church is important, right? See, it's important to understand that the local church is needed, it is important, and it is ordained by God to be active in the advancement of the kingdom of God in our everyday lives. The things that we deal with in our everyday lives, from, from finances, from struggles with our families, with, with all the good things, too, we get to celebrate with you. And you can find all of those things wrapped up in the local church. Now, when I say the local church, I am talking about the four walls of this church. I am talking about this place that you commit to coming to on Sunday morning, which I'm extremely grateful because now you get to experience the presence of God in a way where you really maybe couldn't experience the presence of God by yourself. There's just something to us corporately being together as God ordained it. Now, the local church, I believe there's a, there's a blueprint in the Bible for us to operate as local, local church. And we can find that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. You're going to hear me say the word local church a lot, okay? And I'm going to try to get it right because first service, I'm a little bit of a church. And it just came out wrong. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says this. And he gave some as apostles, as prophets, some as evangelists, as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the building up of the body of Christ. Let me stop right there. Most people just want to stop right there and talk about the fivefold. This is what we would coin as the fivefold ministry of the church. So let me give you just a quick little lesson on what the fivefold is. This is not what I'm talking about today, but it's important to understand that this is the blueprint for local church to operate. Number one, there's teachers. You guys with me? There's teachers. It's the pinky on the hand. Why? Because it's the littlest thing. It cares about the most details. Okay? Some of you are called to be teachers. Some of you care about the details of certain things. Then there's pastors. Now, this isn't just me standing up here saying, I'm a pastor. No, there's some of you sitting in this congregation right now that are literally called to be pastors of people. They're pastors because they're married to the church. It's the ring finger. They're here. They want to see the movement within the local church. Then there's the evangelist. Now, I won't put the other fingers down. Skull. The evangelist is the, I'm sorry, the evangelist is the middle finger because it reaches the furthest. It's the longest finger on the hand. The prophet is your pointer finger because it points in direction. The apostle is the thumb because it touches all of them. God gave these gifts, the teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, and the apostle for the building up of the church. And what people do is we like to lord this over and come from leadership down. Let me just tell you something. These five gifts are here as a foundation to serve. It's underneath is how we serve, to serve the local church. But where I want to focus in on is not just the five gifts, but it's in verse 13, where it says, until we all attain to the unity of faith. And of the acknowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, the local church must come as a resemblance of the fullness of Christ. And how we do that is by learning who we are, making sure we know that God has called us in operating within our gifts. There we can find that we will come to the unity of faith. There is a buzz right now going amongst the church where we're, we're here to say, oh, we're here about unity, unity of the churches, unity of the churches. I propose to you today that we will never come to the place of full unity until you and me discover who we are in Christ and operate as God has called us to moving together as one body to see the church advance in a very powerful way. Because my friends, local church is important to the community that we live in. And we need to be a light on a hill that can't be hidden. A light on a hill that can't be hidden. See, the local church helps prepare the saints for the work of the ministry and helps us attain unity in the faith. See, there is an attack, like I said earlier, on the local church, but not with the enemy. Of course, he's planted the seeds of division. There's an attack within the body saying that local church is not important, that we don't have to meet together, that it's not a biblical thing for us to have church. We like to take what we did here this morning. Well, why do you need all those things? And then we say, that's not what the local church is all about. I'm here to express to you today 
that we are here simply, whether we be small or whether we be big, that's not the problem. See, I want you to know from your pastor to you, I am not interested in growing a big church. I am interested in growing big people to go and advance the kingdom of God, to know who they are so they can walk in the fullness and confidence in Christ. Why do we have all this? So that way we can edify the church. We can worship him together. The enemy has been trying to demean and disempower the local church since Peter was prophetically recognized as the rock that the church was built upon. Here's what the Bible says about Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 through 19, it says this. And I also say to you, this is Jesus talking to Peter. I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, as other versions put it, will not overpower it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, someone say, say loose. Whatever you loose on earth shall be, have been loosed in heaven. See, the local church is here as a foundation to bind and to loose the things in the atmosphere that the kingdom of God calls us to bind and loose in. Here's what this means. We can look at it and dissect it in two different ways. The first way we can look at it and dissect it is that the gates of hell will not prevail, will not penetrate against the church. Here's, here's how most people look at this verse. They say, it's us four and no more. Four walls of the church, and we try to do everything that we can do to hold everything evil out. And we say, no, 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 no. That's called a fortress church. We build a fortress, and we say, no. Now, I believe... And this church believes that it's important that we stand up for righteousness, amen? That we stand up for what's right in the word of God. I don't care who it offends. Listen, knucklehead, and I'm talking to me. Okay, me, me, not you, because you're awesome, okay? I'm talking to me. The Bible says that people will be offended because of the name of Jesus. It's gonna happen. It's gonna take place. So what are we gonna do? Just not walk around and offend people? Listen, I'm ready to die for my Jesus. And if I'm ready to die for him, then I should be ready to live for him as well. So, this verse, we can dissect it and say, we're going to keep everything out. Hallelujah. But actually, this verse, what it really means is that we are not on the defenses, but we are on the offensive side of the things. That we are here to move forward. That the gates of hell, whatever they try to do, is not going to prevail against what the kingdom of God is going to bring through the local church through the local body of Christ. While others try to demean, disempower, and say this is not important, the church of God will rise up and we will move forward and the gates of hell, whatever hell tries to put in our way, will not prevail against the power of God and the advancement of the kingdom that the local church will bring. Our pastor, it's good. Come on. You see from the beginning, the church was always about advancement and movement. We never were meant to be on the defensive side of things, but the offense. Amen? Just like the Vikings are going to do to the Packers this year. The Lord spoke to me in a dream. See, with that said, not the Vikings, Packers, but with that said, again, we're not out to grab our pitchforks and picket signs. There's nothing worse than being painted with hate and discord as a local church. We must, we must 
learn to lead by love. The church must be painted with the brush of love, grace, and mercy. Because every single person deserves an encounter with God. I am a firm believer of this and no one can change my mind. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. Everybody does. The issue is, how are we representing that king to the world? And that's why the enemy is trying so hard to detour this church, and not this church, but the church in general. Because he knows that his time is short and he'll do whatever he can do to bring disunity within the local church. So that's why people go, well, I don't want to go to church. Oh, church is this. Church, church is full of hypocrites. You're right. We are. But that's okay. Because this is a place where you can have an encounter with God. I don't want to go to church because people lie there. You're right. Yeah. 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 The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. Somebody should make a t-shirt out of that. So why local church? Let me give you four quick little things here why the local church is important. Number one, the local church is important for personal edification. Okay? For personal edification. I think the local church is God's mean by which to build us up and encourage us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says this, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Now that word encourage there, let me just stop and pause here and give you the Greek definition for that word encourage. The word encourage, every time you hear the word of God say encourage, the actual definition of that literally means to stir up. It means to stir up. And let's consider how to stir up one another in love and good deeds. Not abandoning our own meeting together as the habit of some people, but stirring up one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, when we consider this passage of scripture, we can clearly see multiple ways the local church edifies us personally while also emphasizing the need to continue to meet together. Let me just say this real quick. And I'm not saying this to demean anybody or to bring anybody down, but to stir you up. You guys ready? We as parents have to fight for our children. And here's what I mean. Your kids will fight you to come to church. You know, they give you that look. Oh, really? It's 1030, mom. It's so early. Oh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's that famous, oh. Listen to a song this last week called, I believe it's called Talk to Jesus. It's by Maverick City. And it really spoke to me because I kind of fell into that story that he's saying. And he says, I remember when my mom would make me come to church. Even when I didn't want to go, she'd make me dress up. She'd make me pray before I went to church. And we would get to church. Yeah, I messed around and I laughed. But I was there. And it was just a one-time encounter with God where God spoke to me and showed me who I was because somebody cared enough about me to get me there. And I want to encourage you today. I want to stir you up as parents. Fight for your children. 
invest into them the eternal things rather than the things that are not internal. Invest into them what matters most. And what's going to happen is the other side of that, right? They're going to be standing on this platform someday saying, if it wasn't for mom and dad, praying for me and telling me and making me be there. Because church attendance is extremely important. Why? To edify you. They say church attendance, the regular church attendance for a church attender is actually one week. One out of six weeks. What do you attend church? Oh, I go to church at River of Life. How many times do you go? One time in six weeks. I would propose to you today that that's actually not church attendance. That's just making yourself feel better about yourself going to church. Amen? Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to condemn anybody or convict anybody about doing anything. You do what God wants you to do. 100%. I am a freedom person. Right? But where are we going to get the edification that we need besides a place like this? Besides within the four walls of this church? Besides in the place where you can worship God and not feel weird about worshiping God? Where you can lift up your voice even though you don't sound good? Right? And you can clap off beat. Okay? And you can pretend that you're a rock star right here in the four walls of this church. And you know what? We say, don't be shy. Let her fly, baby. Why? Because church is about edifying you to be who you are in Christ. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says this, but encourage one another every day as long. Let me say that again. But stir up one another every day as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, in this verse alone, in Hebrews, we can see the importance of local church much more clearly stated. And if we were to take that verse today and flip it to our normal language, what, we, what it would read, it would say this. If you forsake meeting together, you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When you can find somebody going down the wrong pathway, you can always look to church attendance first. I'm serious. Like they, I mean, you just think about it. Somebody in your own personal life, you see them stop coming to church, right? And then before you know it, you see them going to other places and doing the things that they used to do before they got saved. And then you say, hey, miss you at church. Oh, I got stuff going on. Maybe this is just me coming as a pastor talking to you because I see it happen all the time. I see it happen all the time. If we stop meeting together, we will eventually grow hardened to sin in our life. Which is why it's important for us to keep our doors open no matter the cost. It's not about disobeying the government. It's all about obeying God's word. See, the local church is where we can find education for us. We're able to sit under God's word collectively, corporately. We're able to take part in communion collectively and corporately. We're able to be served by other people's gifts in the local church. We're also called to submit to leaders. And in our submission to leaders, we learn how to submit to Christ best.
See, what the local church does, it naturally and holistically holds people accountable and it stirs people to live their life for Christ out loud. That's what the local church should be doing. Number two, the local church is defined by using gifts to edify not just you, but edify the church in general. God gave us spiritual gifts, amen? Not just to keep to ourselves, but to take and give back to the body of Christ in order that it might be edified. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, as each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. See, verses like this on the importance of local church actively using their gifts to edify and encourage the church. If someone has the gift of teaching, it's good and it's necessary for that person to take another person out for coffee and teach them the word of God. Amen? But if you have the gift of teaching, what we want to do is give you the opportunity to teach not just one person, but to teach multiple people. Because that actually edifies the church. Does that make sense? It edifies the church. See, God did not give us gifts to be greedy with. We need to be actively giving and receiving in the church. If your gift is the gift of hospitality, administration, serving, healing, intercession, whatever it is, these gifts should be poured out and received for the sake of the edification of the church. I love when people come to me and go, man, pastor, we should really develop a ministry for the homeless. We should really do that. And I go, how about you develop a ministry for the homeless? Because that is on your heart. So therefore, that is your gift. That way, it is your calling to do it. We will resource you. We will serve you to go and do what God has called you to do. You see what I'm saying? That's how we can edify the church. Now, none of you are gonna come to me with an idea. <laughs> Don't do that, come to me with ideas. Number three, local church is commanded by God. This one thing might be a tough one for, this one point might be a tough for some to follow, and trust me, it's not always easy for me to talk about, but. I'll never shy away from a biblical principle, despite how difficult it is to talk about. It's about church leadership. The idea of being a believer, while not part of the local church, is a foreign concept in the New Testament. It's a foreign concept in the New Testament. Despite what anybody says, oh, we don't need to go to church, we don't need a local church. Local church, all they want is your money. Boy, did I just sound gangster or what? <laughs> local church, they want your money. <laughs> My roots just came out, man. <laughs> so you see individual followers for the moment in the New Testament not being a part of a local church. And normally it's because they were part of a certain group in the New Testament that were kind of the outside, right? But when you follow their lives and you follow their stories, you quickly find them within a local church body within the New Testament. And if they're not a part of that, they actually start on church. So that way they can have a body to belong to. You see, we'll never get away from a thing called local church. Why? Because it's a biblical thing that we need to follow through with. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you. You understand that I am accountable to God for you. <laughs> I 
am accountable to God for your soul, for you. And I don't take that lightly. So if you ever hear me and if you ever see me, if you ever stand up here and you go, man, why does he talk about that kind of stuff? It's because I care for you. Not because I'm trying to get some point across. Not because I'm trying to be all this. No, it's because I care for you as a person. I'm accountable for God, to God for you. See, as Christians, we're all called to love our neighbors, yeah? And this can be done on a day-to-day basis, unconnected to any local church, yes? That's easy to do. That's the command of God. Love God, love your neighbors as yourself. We can do that outside of the church, unconnected to anybody. But we can find that loving others is best carried out within the local church. Why? Because we are family. I got all my, uh, you can say whatever you want to say there, right? And we're all here together. We have to sit across the table at Thanksgiving dinner with one another. Not literally, but you know what I mean, right? We have to come together with our different ideas and our different thoughts of how we see things, how we, how we see different portions of scripture, how we do all these kinds of things. And love is best expressed within the local church when we can gather together and be unified for one mission and one cause, and that's Christ. When we think of things like submitting to church leadership, some instantly get on the defense because they think it's selfish for leadership to ask for submission. But the reality is this, the scripture is showing the gravity and the responsibility of leadership. Church leadership is there to keep watch over the church's body, souls, and their relationship with the Lord. And if Christians are not committed to a local church, how can they even answer the command of being submitted? to church leadership. See, this idea of having someone stop you, if they see you going down the wrong pathway, after crossing through all the roadblocks that God had put in your pathway, the idea of having somebody in your life that says, hey, halt, stop, there's something going on with you, there's something happening right now, and you're going down the wrong pathway, that idea should excite the believer because there's people that care about you like church leadership, elders, deacons, pastors, staff, whatever the case is, we care about you enough to tell you stop. There's something going on that you need to be aware of. The enemy is getting attached to your heart, and we need to separate ourselves from that. That's what church leadership does. And you have a choice, and I have a choice. We can either say, you can't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want to. Who are you? You can say that. That's fine. You can do that. Right, or you can go, man. Because I love my church and I'm submitted to you, I'm gonna take what you say to account and ask God about all this. I want to make sure that I'm honoring God with my lifestyle. Or you can do that. Amen? Bottom line is this, is that we need each other. We can't, nor are we meant to do this Christian walk alone. And while we may meet with friends outside of the local church and spur one another on, which is a great way and a great thing to do, the local church is deeply important and powerful for the condition of your soul. Last one is this. Community and love and acceptance. Kaylin, are you here still? No, I don't see Kaylin. Can you play some music back there, please? Thanks. This church, River of Life, Assembly of God Church, is a place of love and acceptance. 
And the church has gotten a bad rap over the years. And trust me, this church isn't perfect. However, we're all doing our best to love God and love others and to represent the king well, amen? And I can promise you that this church will always love you and accept you and will challenge you to grow in the things of God. I guarantee you that. You are loved here. You are accepted. But we're not gonna stay in the same place where we're at because we are the church that the gates of hell can't prevail against. See, as we talk about church leadership and acceptance, we have to talk about church hurt because it happens, yeah? I mean, let's just be honest. For those of you who have been believers for a long time and you've been in different churches throughout the history of your lives, you know that church hurt takes place. You know what happens. See, the church as a whole is not bad or is it wrong, amen? Therefore, we have to remember not to throw out the church because something happened or the idea of church. And there'll never be a perfect church until Jesus comes back and makes all things perfect. Amen? Amen? Makes all things perfect. Even what seems like a perfect church, I promise you, there will be room for mistakes and distrust. I heard this said one time, if you find a perfect church, don't go to it because you'll mess it up. <laughs> but this is where we can thank God for grace and actively work to forgive those who hurt us in the local church. And this is a very real thing, and I don't want to seek to at all try to minimize it or downplay it. But it's important that we keep trying to love even if we've been hurt in the local church. C.S. Lewis says it like this, and I love this quote. He says, if you love deeply, you're gonna get hurt badly, but it's still worth it. But it's still worth it. See, we live in a fallen world, amen? And love opens the door to pain. Jesus loved us so very deeply that he himself chose to experience that pain and suffering himself. So what you've gone through in local church with hurt, distrust, someone speaking ill of you, maybe you're in a good relationship with the pastor and something took place, whatever the case is, I want you to know that God is here to heal you today, to pour his love upon you so that way you can walk in the fullness of Christ. So in conclusion, the Bible says, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, you, church, are the light of the world. You're the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone. Someone say everyone. Everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, church, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If we want to see truly the church be the church where the gates of hell cannot prevail against it, number one, we have to glorify God in heaven. And we have to show this world the good deeds that are happening. And we can do that by us expressing our gifts, being involved, going all in in a local church.
Because when we do that, the Bible promises us that the world, the city will see the light shine and will glorify God in heaven. When the local church is working together in unity and we're moving together in our gifts, the world will see that God is real. But if all there is are sock puppets talking to one another, no. If all there is is bicker complaining about things that don't really matter, that have no eternal significance, if that's all there is, the world will not see who God truly is. Come on, church, we're better than that. Amen? So as an illustration today, I have a package of LED light bulbs that I want to give to you. Each one, each one of you. All right? To be honest with you, we got a whole shipment in. Someone donated a gigantic package shipment of LED light bulbs. I was like, well, hallelujah, what are we gonna do with these? Hey, I'm talking about the light of the world, let's give them away. Right? So today I want you to walk away with the package of light bulbs, but as a reminder that you are the light of the world. And when we work together, we shine brighter when we're together, amen? Father, thanks so much for today. We love you, we honor you, we bless you. You're a good God to us. And God, I just pray for every single person here that may not know you. God, I pray today we would not leave without knowing you, Jesus. So everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around. I'm just gonna ask this simple little question real quick. Because at this church, we'll always give the opportunity for you to meet Jesus and be introduced to a new life in Christ. And if that's you, and you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I don't know Jesus personally, but I want to know him. I came with a friend, I came with a family member. I don't know who Jesus is, but today I wanna give my life to him. I wanna experience his love that you're talking about. If that's you, just put your hand up real quick and put it right back down. Good, thank you so much, there's one. Anybody else? No one's looking around. The only reason why I do this is so that way these people can feel comfortable and confident raising their hand. Anybody else says that's you? That's me, Pastor, come on, pray for me. Yeah, come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We celebrate the one. As a matter of fact, so does heaven. The Bible says that when one person comes to know who Jesus Christ is, all of heaven stops and a big party's thrown for you. All right? So if you will, with everyone together, please repeat this after me, especially if you raise your hand today. Mean this with your heart. You just say, Father, forgive me my sin. I know that I've disobeyed you. But today, I'm ready to give my life fully to you. I love you, I bless you, and I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen.